baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Kate Hibbard-Gaines, Director of Development for Three Square. September is Hunger Action Month, and Three Square Food Bank and hunger-related events are teaming up with Odyssey Radio for the return of the Four Corners Food Drive from September 26th to 29th. Kate, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Heather. So what exactly is Three Square? Three Square is Southern Nevada's only food bank and largest hunger relief organization. We provide food through a charitable food network across the valley, all across Southern Nevada. Okay. And how exactly does it work? I've seen the trucks all over the valley. Where are they going and who are they delivering it to? Sure. So our mission is to provide wholesome food to hungry people while passionately pursuing a hunger-free community. And so the way a food bank works is that we receive in donations of food, primarily donations. We do purchase a little bit of food, but we get donations from the government. We get donations from corporations and from food manufacturers. We also get donations from community members, right? So you've heard of someone doing a food drive here or there. And that food comes into the food bank. It gets sorted and repurposed and repackaged here and then sent out to over 150 other nonprofits across the valley. So our trucks are picking up food and they're also delivering food from picking up the food from the donors, sending the food out to our nonprofit partners. Nice. Okay. And where does the name Three Square come from? Well, my understanding is that it's from three wholesome meals, that sort of saying of three meals. Three square meals a day. <laughs> yeah. And how long has the organization been around? Threesquare got its start in December of 2007, so we're a fairly young nonprofit, but we're we're in our teens now. We're 15 years old. We're celebrating that 15th year this year, and just really excited and happy to be part of this community. Okay, nice. So, how many meals would you say that Three Square distributes every year? Yeah, um, last year in our fiscal year, we distributed over 36 million meals. That's the equivalent of about 43 million pounds. Through that, we, we served more than 295,000 people in the Las Vegas area and, and Southern Nevada. Here in our community, unfortunately, one out of eight Southern Nevadans struggles with hunger. That's more than 274,000 people that don't always know where their next meal is coming from. That includes 94,000 children, which is just kind of hard to fathom. And so that's why we're putting out so many meals on an annual basis to sort of try and meet that need across the community. Wow. Okay. Now you talked about the food bank aspect of Three Square, but what about where, you know, like boys and girls clubs, the kids get their meals there as well. They don't have to go to the food bank. What other kinds of programs like that do you have? Uh, so we, you know, our primary business model is, is food banking. We, we source in food and, and, and then send it out to our partners. But we do have some other programs that support some of the more vulnerable populations in our community children being one of them. We have a kids cafe program where our kitchen produces fresh cold meals that go out to after school enrichment programs. So places like Boys and Girls Club, as you mentioned, and other school sites across the valley. 
We also have a backpack program. It is an emergency weekend meal for kids that goes out every Friday. And during the school year, we do about 4,000 of those bags a week that go out to various schools across the valley. And then we also have some programs for seniors. You know, that is an oftentimes a population that has to make a lot of hard decisions about where their limited funding goes, right? They might be paying for rent, insurance, healthcare, medical expenses. And a lot of times those, those different costs, they add up and then food suddenly hits sort of the bottom of that priority list for them. And so we have a couple different programs for seniors, one being a congregate meal site at some libraries across the valley where seniors can come together and get a healthy meal, but also benefit from socializing with other people and just getting out of the house and hopefully having their spirits lifted. We also provide lift rides for some seniors to various pantries or to to different locations. So we sort of help get them connected to the resources that they might need and then one other piece of three square that that not a lot of folks know about is we have we have a call center. So if somebody in the community is looking to get help and isn't sure where to turn, they can call three square, get connected to our call center and speak to an individual who can help them find the resources that they might qualify for, get them connected to their local pantry so that they don't have to you know, drive super far. We try to make sure that folks don't have to travel too far from their home just to get food. We try to get them connected with one of our partners closest to them. Nice. Okay. So this is Hunger Action Month and you've got the Four Corners Food Drive coming up next week. Tell us about that. Yeah, we're so excited to be partnering once again with hunger-related events and Odyssey for the return of the Four Corners Food Drive. This is just a really great opportunity. You know, the Hunger Action Month is a is a month all about taking action and building awareness about hunger in our community. And so this is just a great opportunity to amplify that across Odyssey's uh, different stations. And we just love that the the support that that comes from this. And then you know, it gets people to be aware of the fact that there is hunger in this community. You know, sometimes people think, oh, we're Las Vegas, the city of excess and all the lights and the glitter. And, but, you know, sometimes behind that, there's individuals who have just fallen on hard times. A lot of folks who are working and just not making ends meet for some reason. And so this is a really great opportunity to get folks who can have the ability to make a donation or get involved, spend a few hours volunteering to do so, but also raise awareness for those who might be seeking help. Okay, so where can people go to donate the food? Yeah, so one of the best places is just to head to threesquare.org. You can donate dollars there. You can connect with us about donating food if you'd wish, or you can find out how to get help on our website. Okay, and then you have a few Albertsons stores where people can also drop off their food next week? Yes, that's right. So part of the Four Corners Food Drive is in partnership with Albertsons. And so there's going to be different activations happening at various Albertsons all across the valley next week. I know there's one on Charleston and Summerlin, one on Farm Road, North Las Vegas, Stephanie Street and Henderson. So there's a lot of different locations where folks can go and drop off the food. Okay, awesome. And I have the list here. So it looks like the 26th, it's on Farm Road, the 27th, East Charleston, the 28th, West Charleston, and then the 29th on Stephanie Street. So kind of four corners of the valley trying to hit all those four corners exactly (laughs) (laughs) how appropriate (laughs) okay now you mentioned people could volunteer how would they get involved if they wanted to help out 
yeah, head to threesquared.org, click on volunteer, and that's where you can sign up as an individual volunteer, or you can even sign up as a group. So if you have some coworkers or neighbors or family, friends that want to get together and do something, sign ups and fill out one of our applications, send it in. We have a phenomenal volunteer team that helps and connect folks to uh, the opportunities that we have going on here at the food bank. Okay, perfect. So once again, threesquare.org is the website to go to. If you want to find out more about Three Square, you can make a donation there. You can find out the different locations. You can also go to the Mix 94.1 website, which is mix941.fm, mix941.fm. And we have all of the locations listed out and the times. So Tuesday, the 26th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. at Farm Road, the 95 in Durango, Wednesday, the 27th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. at East Charleston and Nellis, Thursday, the 28th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. at West Charleston and Desert Foothills in Summerlin, and Friday, the 29th from 6 to 10 a.m. at Stephanie and Horizon Ridge in Henderson. So plenty of locations around the valley, or you can just make that monetary donation right there on threesquare.org. And that's spelt out the word three. So threesquare.org. And Kate, I want to thank you so much for being here, letting us know more about what Three Square is doing in the community, all the ways that you're helping out and this food drive that we've got coming up next week where we can really make a difference together for Hunger Action Month. So I really appreciate your time here. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate you. When a student lacks basic needs like food, clothing, and learning materials, attending school can be a challenge. And that can make it impossible to thrive. At Communities in Schools, we address this issue by ensuring that students have everything they need to re-engage in learning, access to technology and school supplies, and even emotional support. By bringing communities of support to students, we're achieving equitable learning conditions. And that's what Communities in Schools is all about. Learn more at communitiesinschools.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Linda Taché, President and CEO, and Desiree Wingerder, Program Director of the Collaboration Center Foundation, or CCF. The CCF is a disability resource network for people and families of all ages, and their third annual Night on Blanc fundraising gala is coming up on October 5th. Linda and Desiree, thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you, Heather, thank very you for much. Thank you having us, Heather. So what exactly is the Collaboration Center Foundation? Sure, I will start with that. So the Collaboration Center Foundation is actually a five-acre campus here in the southwest part of town that serves um, individuals, family members, and caregivers living with intellectual, developmental, and physical disabilities and learning disabilities of all ages. And it's, it's actually this destination for these families to come and really enjoy the experience of being, you know, embraced. We have a Pathways Case Management Program that actually that does can help expand on, but that program actually ties together all the programs and services that families are doing here on campus and off campus. And we also collaborate. We're actually a, the a first model of its kind in the state of Nevada that's collaborating with other community nonprofits providers, and government agencies all here on our five-acre campus. Wow, awesome. So Desiree, what are some of the specific programs and resources that you offer? 
Absolutely. So like Linda said, our flagship program is called Pathways. And Pathways is a free case management program to all families in Nevada who are seeking resources and answers to an often arduous journey for our families. So we provide free case management and we also provide inclusive family services. So our family inclusion program may include support groups. We have support groups for siblings. We have support groups for grandparents and for other family members. We do educational workshops and trainings. We do resource fairs. Actually, our next resource fair is Harvesting Hope. On November 4th at Collaboration Center campus, it's going to be a fall festival and a movie on the lawn. It's going to be a great time for families to come and enjoy and learn more about community resources and other health and wellness activities as well. Okay. Now, Linda, how does the CCF compare to your former organization, the Grant a Gift Autism Foundation? Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question and not the first time I've been asked that question actually. So what what I realized over the years and that my son's primary diagnosis is autism that he has secondary conditions like ADHD and also like social I, I get sensory issues and just a learning disability as well. So one of the things that I found over the years is that a lot of families are are dealing with more than one disability. So for example, we have a family that we know that the child has autism, has um, a heart condition, and is visually impaired. So what we found over the years is that there's still these silos of disabilities like autism here, Down syndrome here, vision impaired here, deaf and, um, you know, um, hard of hearing here. So what we wanted to do is really bring all of these conditions together so that A, we can build capacity and really support not only the individual, but the family as well. So we knew that to do that, we'd have to find space. And that's why when we found this five acre campus, we were like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the perfect home to really be inclusive. Like inclusion is really critical to have the best outcomes for everyone involved. So we consider ourselves really disability inclusive, but we also have the organizations working with us together as one so that we can treat these families really holistically and create that family-centered model. Okay, so the Collaboration Center Foundation offers services to individuals and families with any type of disability? Yes. Yes. So it could be Down syndrome. It could be autism, which I don't know if people realize this. 25% of Down syndrome individuals are on the autism spectrum. Hmm. um, And they also have congenital heart conditions. So again, we're seeing this multiple condition and disability situation happening more and more, you know, every day, every day that we see this. So yes, and we include dyslexia is another learning disability that's neurodevelopmental. Um, We also cerebral palsy. So anybody that falls on that spectrum of intellectual, developmental, physical, we can accommodate them here at our campus. Awesome. Okay. So tell us about the Night on Blanc fundraising gala that you've got coming up. Yes, yes. So it's our third one. We're very, very excited. So it is a historic one for us because our campus, we just finished our build out. 
an expansion for our campus to, to expand our programs. So all of the um, guests and sponsors that have been with us the last couple of years, they're going to actually see for the first time our new campus. That's really exciting. And um, the money that's raised for this is actually going to be helping to grow our Pathways program and also help build out our Adaptive Recreation Center. And we are honoring a really great advocate for our community, Robert Dolan, who actually owns Cashman Photo Enterprises. We're going to be recognizing him that evening. We're also going to be highlighting our Adventure Scout program, which is our new special needs scouting program through the Boy Scouts. So there's just a lot of cool things, but just to give the audience kind of a flavor of of the gala, it happens outside on our campus under the stars. And we have an Epicurean for the reception. There's an Epicurean food fair with hosted bars. So it's food, drinks, it's libations, it's music, and it's really just a unique experience versus going into a ballroom. And then at 7.30, we all go under the horse arena with the farm tables and the stage. And that's where we do the actual program to um, talk about what we've done, who, you know, where we're going, and then also how people can get involved, but then also our live auction and um, recognizing Captain Photo Enterprises. So it's a really great evening on October 5th, and it's unique, and it's fun, and it's a great, great experience. Nice. Okay. So I think most people in Las Vegas have heard of Cashman Photo, but what's the connection with Robert? Why are you honoring him this year? Yes, that that is another great question. First of all, Robert is an unsung hero. He's one of those people that doesn't, I say, doesn't have an ego. And he, behind the scenes, he has supported Collaboration Center Foundation. He has a personal connection to, I think, family members that may have been affected by certain types of conditions. So he's very passionate about the cause, but he's also over the years given a lot to different areas in the community that that relate back to individuals with disabilities. So so we felt that, you know, he's just an unsung hero. One of the things our gala wants to do is recognize people that have given a lot to our community. They're historic to our community, but they haven't been recognized properly. That's why we honored Linda Smith on our first one who built Opportunity Village. So yeah, so Robert is is a very unsung hero in our community. And we thought it would be very nice to say thank you to him with lots of our partners. Awesome. Desiree, why is the fundraising gala called Night on Blanc? Well, I will start off and Linda can also chime in. So Night in Blanc, so it's a night in white. So our first two galas, just think, like Linda said, under the stars, white lights, everybody's dressed in white. And this year, there's a little fun spinoff. Linda, if you want to kick it away with how we're flaring it up this year. Yes. So yes, traditionally, it's been all white. We thought we would like kind of mix it up this year. So um, I know you've seen our logo, right? So we mm-hmm. represent many different sectors in the community, different disabilities. So what we thought we would do is take our logo and really allow the guests to do a flash of color or some type of flare color to their white outfit. 
So it could be a jacket, it could be a hat, it can be a purse, it can be shoes. So, but we do say that the primary outfit needs to be mostly white, but then mix it up with different colors to really represent that inclusiveness, that disability inclusion that we're all fighting really hard to support. Awesome. Now, you mentioned that the campus has been built out over the past year. What exactly did you change and add and improve? Yeah. So when we purchased this property, it was rural residential. So we had to rezone. So it was off the grid, pretty much. It was a horse ranch. So we had to make it, we had to bring in public utilities. So that was the first undertaking. So we had to trench the whole property. We had to bring in the utilities. And then we paved a lot of the property for parking, for the services, We also landscaped and made pathways. So it's almost like park-like, you know, it has trees and and shrubs and it has a meditation garden. We have a grass area that's going to have an arbor so that we can do weddings out there. There's a tortoise habitat. So um, we're looking to make that a tortoise home. We have a working garden. And just so you know, this is all brand new. So we have the garden boxes, but we need to plant stuff. So we're going to need some help with that. We also, we have a a chicken coop. So we want to have fresh eggs, you know, for our grab and go cafe. We are building out the mental, well, we're, we're creating mental health facility that Des can probably talk about a little bit, Desiree. But then the best part is, is that we converted the horse stables into a grab and go cafe an autism clinic, a preschool, different therapies and services, multi-purpose rooms, Medicaid. We have a Medicaid office here that's free resources for families. Whether you come here or not, you can call. We have our Pathways office, and then we have some other wonderful education services, and it's for the community to use. So yeah, so we've converted our existing buildings into more services, And then um, it's really a park that, you know, people can enjoy and come and relax while their kids are getting services here. That sounds amazing. Thank you. It really is. You have to come see it. That's what we tell everybody. It's hard to explain. You have to come see it. And we're always open for tours. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, Des, tell us more about the mental health facility. Absolutely. We are so, so, so excited about this initiative. Through some generous funding, we were able to start the credentialing process and building out the model for a mental health program. Individuals with disabilities are disproportionately affected by mental health as well as their families. And we really wanted to be a part of the solution to support families and their journey and the mental health piece. So we're going to be offering individual family dyad and group therapy under the therapeutic license of LMFTs, which is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and an LCSW, which is a licensed clinical social worker. So we're really excited about this. It's very needed in our in our community. So thank you for asking. Yeah, amazing. All right. Now, Linda, you mentioned that you need people to help plant the garden, and I'm assuming you need volunteers to help with a variety of things. So if someone's listening and they wanted to become involved as a volunteer, how would they do that? Yes, absolutely. So they can go to our website at collab, that's C-O-L-L-A-B-L-V dot org, and um, they can, you know, contact us through our website And then we also have an email, which is volunteer at 
collablv.org. So they can also email us through that. And then we will have our volunteer coordinator reach out, get them processed in the system, and then we'll put them on our information list so that when different projects and events come up, we would definitely um, love to reach out to them to see if they'd like the support. All right, perfect. Now, the Night on Blanc fundraising gala is happening Thursday, October 5th. And what's the time? It starts at 6 p.m. And the Epicurean Food Fair reception is from 6 to 7.30. Then at 7.30, we will all transfer over into the arena where the program starts. And then we like to be done by 9. So that's our goal. So it's 6 to 9. Okay. And how can listeners buy tickets if they want to attend the fundraising gala? Yes, absolutely. They can also go to our website at collablv.org and they can click on the events fundraising tab and all the information is there so they can go online and they can purchase it. Or if they have questions, they can email us at events at collablv.org. All right. Now, what else can people find out if they go to the website collablv.org? I'm going to kick that over to Desiree because there is program information. Yeah. Yeah. So if families, if there's any listeners out there that is a family member or, you know, knows somebody who could utilize support that may have a disability or suspected of having a disability, you can go to the pathways tab on the website and start what is called an inquiry form. So if you do the inquiry form, it's a quick online referral that gets shot straight over to our pathway supervisor, and they will be assigned a case manager for free for wraparound services. All right. Awesome. So once again, the website is collablv.org, collablv.org. If you're looking for resources, you can go to the pathways tab and you can submit an application there. If you want to be a volunteer, you can do that there as well, or email volunteer at collablv.org, volunteer at collablv.org. And if you would like to attend the third annual Night on Blanc fundraising gala, that's happening on Thursday, October 5th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Collaboration Center's campus, which is Windmill between Durango and Buffalo. So if you want tickets to that, you can either email events at collablv.org, events at collablv.org, or just go to the website collablv.org and click on the events tab. And it sounds like you have such an amazing campus there and so many amazing programs going on. So I can't wait to see it myself. And I hope a lot of people come out to the fundraising event for this night on Blanc with a splash of color, a little bit of flair. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Heather, so much. We appreciate your support getting our word out. Yeah. And thank you, Linda and Desiree. Thank you so much for being here and letting us know more about what you're doing at the Collaboration Center. Absolutely. We're happy to be here. We are the 25%. That's a quarter of all Americans, over 61 million people with a disability. And we want a world where everyone is 100% included, just like you. Easter Seals Disability Services. We are the 25.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Jacob Murdoch, Executive Director of the Nevada Chapter of the National Hemophilia Foundation, and Shalinda Creer, who's the mom of a child with hemophilia. The NHF's Unite for Bleeding Disorders walk is back at Floyd Lamb Park on October 7th. Jacob and Shalinda, thank you both so much for being here today. 
You're welcome. Heather, yeah, Heather, thank you so much for having us. So, Jacob, what exactly does the National Hemophilia Foundation do? It's a great question. So what we are dedicated to is finding better treatments and cures for inherited bleeding disorders. And also, you know, along with that, what we do on the local level is really provide education and support and advocacy for the families all throughout the state of Nevada who may have a bleeding disorder in their family. And then the bleeding disorders that we typically work with, hemophilia is maybe the most well-known, but it's not the most common. Von Willebrand's disease is actually the most common. But we work with folks across the state with bleeding disorders. When we talk about bleeding disorders, are those the only two? No, there are a variety. Those are just the two that are the most common in the population. Bleeding disorders are what is considered a rare disorder. So hemophilia A, which is the most common type of hemophilia, affects about 20,000 people in the United States. Von Willebrand's, which is the most common bleeding disorder, affects 1% to 2% of the population in the United States. So they're fairly rare. And then we do work with some other ones that are called factor deficiencies. And they all have different names, but they're even more rare than hemophilia and von Willebrand's disease. Okay, so I know that hemophilia is a lack of an ability for the blood to clot. Are the other bleeding disorders similar? Yes, most of them do have to do with your body missing a protein that allows your blood to clot. There are also bleeding disorders that work specifically with your platelets as well. But generally speaking, when we think of bleeding disorders, yeah, it's, it's there's something about your body missing either a protein or part of a gene that allows your body to clot blood appropriately. Okay. Shalinda, what's your family's story being a mom with a child with hemophilia? I actually have an uncle that I grew up around that had hemophilia. He passed away two years ago. I have a cousin who has hemophilia, and now I am the mom to a hemophilia severe child. So it's been in my family. It's inherited. So that's our story. (laughs) When you say hemophilia severe, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Well, hemophilia A for us you're either diagnosed as mild, moderate, or severe. And so severe is the worst of the three. And my son in particular, he's severe because he he produces no clotting factor. So from the time he was diagnosed, he produces no clotting factor. So we've had to use medication since he was a newborn up until now. So it's been when he first started taking it, it was almost a daily thing. And now we've gotten him to where he can do it monthly. So there's been advances in uh, the medications. So thankfully, we're not doing it every day, twice a day, like we once started off as and we've progressed. But he's still severe. I mean, we still have to watch out for certain things. Um, There's still limitations to what he can and can't do as far as physical activities and things of that nature. Can he play sports and that kind of thing? He can play sports, although we are basically kind of told not to play certain sports just because of the injuries that come with those sports. So he and he is not allowed. And this is my personal preference. You know, every family is different. But Mm -hmm. my preference is he does not play football. He will not play hockey. He doesn't do boxing, anything that can cause any kind of head injuries. Our hematologist has kind of gave given me the side eye when we requested to see if it'd be okay to do basketball. 
And so we've been lucky where he, he can play basketball and baseball and things of that nature. But I do take precaution for his games and so forth when he's out on the court. Yeah, absolutely. And how old's your son now? He is 14. Oh, same as mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jacob, what kind of services are available to those with bleeding disorders and families like Shalinda's? We offer a variety of different services. So they start from education. So we provide whether it's uh, one-off education events or multiple day or multiple hour education events that deal specifically with bleeding disorders. So um, Shalinda mentioned her son, you know, playing sports. One of the education sessions that we've done a couple times in the last couple of years is a session about you know, what sort of activities are safe for individuals with bleeding disorders, and it's called playing it safe. So that's an example. Some of the education sessions we do aren't specifically about a bleeding disorder. So say we'll do an education session that's about mental health, right? So that's something that anyone can benefit from. We also do uh, social events. So events where folks with bleeding disorders can get together and just have share and fellowship with each other. It being a, you know, bleeding disorders being rare. Uh, one of the stories that I hear a lot is particularly from um, parents with young children is that when they get their diagnosis, their kids particularly feel really isolated because there may not be anybody else in school with them who has a bleeding disorder. So there's a whole lot of restrictions that they may have that, you know, they don't know anybody else that has those same restrictions. And for a kid, that's hard. And so we want to create environment, we create environments for individuals, families, kids to get together with people like them so that they know they're not alone. Additionally, we do advocacy events. So this past year, we took a few families up to Carson City to advocate for, you know, issues that, that affect individuals with bleeding disorders. We also will do other types of events that are fundraising events like our walk that's coming up uh, next month on October 7th. And so we do a variety of different things. Some of the other services that we provide, we do provide financial assistance for individuals with bleeding disorders. So say, you know, if you are out of work because you're bleeding disorder and you need help paying your electricity bill, that's something that folks can apply for through us. We also offer assistance with counseling. So if you want to see a licensed counselor, we can help refer you to a licensed counselor and then help you pay for those sessions. Again, because we know that's something that's that's really important. And again, when you're when you have a disorder that keeps you isolated from maybe some of the activities that other people that don't have that disorder can engage in, we want to make sure that you have access to mental health resources. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Shalinda talked about giving her son medication for the past 14 years. Is that one of the services you provide as well as help getting medication? We don't specifically do that, but we can help find resources for that. So in Nevada, we have a couple medical centers that are dedicated to treating folks with bleeding disorders, and we work very closely with them if there is an issue with somebody who either can't afford medication or needs to learn how to infuse either someone that they, they care for or themselves if they need infusions. So we do help with that. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So tell us more about the Unite for Bleeding Disorders walk, which, as we mentioned, is coming up on October 7th at Floyd Lamb Park. Sure. This is our largest fundraiser of the year in the state of Nevada. 
it is, you know, a really great opportunity for folks that have bleeding disorders to get together, but also for those that may be interested in helping out a cause that's really meaningful. And so it's a great way just to bring people together. We also like to spread awareness about bleeding disorders at this event. Every year, I hear stories from folks who come to this event or one of our other events that are like, you know what, because I came to this event or because I volunteered with you, I found out that what's going on in my body may not be normal and I should get that checked out. But the walk itself is a really fun party environment. We have face painters. We'll have some characters there. We've got an ice cream truck. We're also doing a blood drive. And then the walk itself is about three quarters of a mile. It's not too far. We do it around one of the ponds at Floyd Lamb. And then we also have a nice lunch after the walk that celebrates the founder of our chapter. Her name was Renee Paper. She was a registered nurse here in Nevada. She founded the chapter and was actually, she was a pioneer for the study and treatment of women with bleeding disorders. And so we like to celebrate her and honor her legacy every year as well. So that's something that takes place after the walk. But we'll have lots of music. Again, it's a real, it's like, it's like an outdoor party. And we all know October is a beautiful time to be outdoors. So it is a, a, a great way to have some fun, share experiences and learn something new or share in fellowship with, with other folks that may be like you. Awesome. Okay. And what time does it all get underway on October 7th? Registration opens at 9 a.m. And then the walk itself will start shortly after our opening ceremony, which takes place at 10. And then we'll have a picnic happening right around 11.15, which is right after the walk will have ended and gave out our awards. Perfect. Okay. Shalinda, are you planning to be there as well? Yes, we have a team that we've created. So we're trying to get our some of our friends and family and work colleagues and everyone to participate as well. Awesome. Okay. So how exactly does the fundraising work for this? Do you just find sponsors who are willing to sponsor you for walking the walk? It's a great question. So uh, we do it a couple different ways. So we, we as a chapter, we are out there looking for sponsors. We have folks that are from our community that can sponsor the walk. We also have some of our pharmacy partners who will be sponsoring the walk. So we have a pretty large vendor fair at our walk as well. And so that's a great way if you are a business that is interested in having a table, you could definitely reach out to the chapter. Our website is www.hfnv.org. And then if you are an individual who wants to donate or create a team or join a team like Shalinda's, you can check us out at the Unite for Bleeding Disorders website, which is um, www.uniteforbleedingdisorders.org. Dot org, and you just need to find a walk and click on the Las Vegas walk. And you can either just make a donation or create create your own team. And then one of the things that we've seen that's most successful is individuals like Shalinda using their network in order to get donations for their teams. And so, you know, sometimes we just had a another family in our community who for they uh, were celebrating a family birthday. And what they did is they worked with a restaurant. And so it was, I think, $5 from every person that came to their family dinner, they were getting donated to the walk, their walk team. So, you know, there's a lot of really unique ways that you can work to get donations for, for your individual walk team. Or, you know, if you have a small workplace, do something where if you donate, you know, $5, maybe you can have ice cream one day, 
support or something like that. Those types of things, those small efforts make make a big deal when there's a lot of people doing them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so if people go to hfnv.org, they can also find out other things that the Nevada chapter of the National Hemophilia Foundation does throughout the year? Absolutely. We've got our calendar of events up there. And then in Southern Nevada, we have three big fundraisers a year. This is our last one of the year, but we have two uh, really great fundraisers that take place in the spring, along with all of our other education, outreach, and advocacy events. Okay, awesome. So once again, the website for the Nevada chapter of the National Hemophilia Foundation is hfnv.org, Hemophilia Foundation Nevada, so hfnv.org. If you want to find out more about what the Nevada chapter of the National Hemophilia Foundation does all year round, all the events that they've got going on, access to resources, everything is there. And if you would like to take part in the Unite for Bleeding Disorders walk, which is coming up on October 7th at Floyd Lamb Park, gets underway at 9 a.m. Then there's opening ceremonies, the walk and the picnic right after that at 11.15. All of it happening, Floyd Lamb Park on October 7th. So for that, go to uniteforbleedingdisorders.org uniteforbleedingdisorders.org and click on Nevada for the Nevada chapter of the National Hemophilia Foundation Unite for Bleeding Disorders Walk. And Jacob and Shalinda, I want to thank you both so much for being here. Jacob, for letting us know more about what you do and Shalinda for sharing your story and your son's story, your family's story with us. Both of you have shared a lot of fantastic information that I think would benefit a lot of people. So I appreciate you both being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, Heather. Staying active and healthy as we age starts with strong bones. To keep your bones strong, you need calcium, vitamin D, and regular exercise. A bone density test called DEXA helps detect low bone mass and bone disease called osteoporosis. If you're 65 or older, Medicare provides free bone density tests every two years. Ask your doctor to schedule yours. For more information on how to be bone strong, visit pathtogoodbonehealth.org. I'm Heather Vale, and this is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. Joining me is Sarah Chavaria, president of the Delta Dental Insurance Company. This is Healthy Aging Month, and as women age and begin menopause, practicing good oral health is vital. A new survey from Delta Dental found 70% of women over 50 say they've noticed age-related dental symptoms. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. So how does aging and menopause impact women's oral health? Well, our teeth and gums are really susceptible to hormonal changes that take place before and during menopause, and it decreases our body's ability to fight off minor infections and maintain that healthy balance of both useful and harmful bacteria. Specifically, health symptoms that women might feel during this time are things like dry mouth, bleeding gums, tooth sensitivity, maybe even pain, receding gum line, and even tooth decay. Okay. Now, what are some of the most surprising results from your recent survey? Well, you noted one of them, but let me start with 84% of women who took the survey shared that they did not know there was a correlation between the hormonal changes they go through, you know, during menopause, pre-menopause, and their oral health. And then you shared that 
70% of women are experiencing one of those oral health symptoms despite the fact that they didn't know there was a correlation. So that is a pretty shocking statistic, I would say. Yeah, so I guess the survey would have allowed them to kind of put two and two together and say, oh, that's what's happening. That's why. <laughs> exactly. I think that, you know, another surprising learning that we're really encouraged about at Delta Dental is that as a result of taking the survey, 77% of the women said they will prioritize seeing their dentist. And a majority of them said, wow, they're going to add to their oral health routine just because they've learned something here, which is great. Yeah. What's the general recommendation for dental health for a woman over 50? Well, I think overall health starts with just drinking water. So the estrogen levels dropping during menopause impacts our saliva production. That's important to know. So drinking a lot of water and staying hydrated is really important. In addition to that, we subscribe to the 212, brush your teeth twice a day, floss once a day, even though you don't want to, and see your dentist twice a year. I think that one of the other statistics that we learned in our survey is that only 2% of women say they're talking to their dentist about going through menopause and those hormonal changes, and only 1% are talking to their hygienist. So find a way to bring that conversation to your next dental visit. Yeah, it's interesting because they have the dental chart, but I don't think dentists always think about asking those specific questions. So I guess it's up to us at that point. You know, sometimes they'll say, have you had any changes in your health since the last time we saw you? That's a great time to say, you know, I have noticed. And then maybe talk about some of the symptoms you're experiencing, right? The dry mouth or the receding gum line. That might be a really good way to bring that conversation up. Yeah. Okay. Now, how do women generally get health information about what they're going through during menopause? So this is really interesting too. 26% of us turn to the internet and, you know, menopause has just been a topic that we haven't talked about. And so the information that's available out there is just not comprehensive. And I think that, you know, for us at Delta Dental, we're really trying to support the conversations that women are starting to have. We're encouraged that over the last year, we're seeing more information about menopause. We're seeing more, you know, news outlets, articles about menopause and really breaking down that stigma. And so I think, you know, turning to your primary care physician and your dentist in this case to start to have those conversations is a really great way to get that information. Yeah, absolutely. And since women do like to turn to the internet to get answers, where would you recommend listeners go to get more information about improving their oral health, whether during menopause or not? Well, we've done some really great work to curate a lot of information for women at ddins.co forward slash healthy aging. I think that's a great place to start. Nice. Okay. So ddins.co slash healthy aging is the website to go to ddins.co slash healthy aging. DD stands for Delta Dental. And at that website, you can find a lot more information about what Sarah and I have been talking about today, healthy aging for your teeth and your gums, because every part of our body is important and teeth are definitely right up there. 
And Sarah, I want to thank you so much for being here, sharing the results of your survey and sharing more information with us about how women can better age with oral health. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, great. Thank you so much. My early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. But it gave my mom and me more time to plan together. Talk to your family about seeing a doctor. Go to alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the Valley. September is National Library Card Sign-Up Month, and the Las Vegas-Clark County Library District is offering the chance to win fun raffle prizes like Vegas Golden Knights tickets and t-shirts. You just need to have a library card or sign up for one this month and enter your name in the drawing. For more information or to enter the raffle, go to thelibrarydistrict.org. That's thelibrarydistrict.org. September is also Hunger Action Month, and the Four Corners Food Drive to support Three Square is happening from September 26th to 29th at various Albertson stores around the Valley. That's Tuesday the 26th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Farm Road at the 95 in Durango, Wednesday the 27th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. on East Charleston and Nellis, Thursday the 28th from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. at West Charleston, that's near Desert Foothills in Summerlin, and Friday the 29th from 6 to 10 a.m. on South Stephanie and Horizon Ridge in Henderson. To find out all the details, head to the Mix 94.1 website at mix941.fm. That's mix941.fm. You can also go to the Three Square website at threesquare.org. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space, with each event raising $10,000 for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include this Monday, September 25th at 8 p.m., benefiting Prevent Child Abuse Nevada, and Monday, October 9th at 8 p.m., benefiting Las Vegas Breast Cancer Warriors. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. That's mondaysdark.com. The LGBTQ Center of Southern Nevada, also known as The Center, is holding its annual gala honorarium fundraiser next Friday, September 29th, with cocktails at 5.30 p.m. and dinner at 7 p.m. in the Encore Ballroom at Wynn Las Vegas. Dress is black tie optional for this event, which recognizes those who have made a significant impact on the LGBTQ plus community while celebrating the Center's 30th anniversary. Find out more or get your tickets at thecenterlv.org. That's thecenterlv.org. The fourth annual Dana Marshall Bernstein Courage Ball Fundraising Gala to support the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is happening next Saturday, September 30th at 6 p.m. at the Four Seasons Las Vegas with cocktails, four-course dinner, and a live and silent auction. The theme this year is the power of purple because purple's the awareness color for inflammatory bowel disease or IBD, the umbrella term for Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. Get tickets or find out more at courageball.com. That's courageball.com. And find out more about the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation at ccfa.org. ccfa.org. 
Collaboration Center Foundation's third annual Night on Blanc Gala is happening Thursday, October 5th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Collaboration Center's campus on Las Vegas Ranch, windmill between Durango and Buffalo. Celebrate under the white lights while experiencing the beautiful new campus build-out. Get tickets, sponsorships, or more information at collablv.org. That's collablv.org. The Nevada chapter of the National Hemophilia Foundation's holding their annual Unite for Bleeding Disorders walk on Saturday, October 7th, starting at 9 a.m. at Floyd Lamb Park. Find out the details or register to walk at uniteforbleedingdisorders.org. That's uniteforbleedingdisorders.org. The Shriners Children's Open PGA Tour Golf Tournament to support Shriners International is happening October 9th to 15th at TPC Summerlin. Get your tickets, be a sponsor, or find out more at shrinerschildrensopen.com. That's shrinerschildrensopen.com. The Shade Trees Once Upon a Gala fundraising event is happening Thursday, October 12th at 7 p.m. with the VIP Secret Garden Soiree starting at 5.30 in the Zook Nightclub at Resorts World Las Vegas. This fairy tale inspired event includes a live and silent auction benefiting the Shade Trees mission to provide safe shelter to domestic violence and human trafficking survivors and their children. Get your gala tickets or find out more at theshadetree.org. That's theshadetree.org. The 10th Annual Safe Neighborhood Youth 3-on-3 Basketball Tournament, presented by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department Foundation, is taking place on Saturday, October 21st from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the UNLV Student Rec and Wellness Center. The 3-on-3 basketball tournament provides Valley children from 6 to 12 years old with an opportunity to interact with police in a fun way while developing life skills such as teamwork and sportsmanship. It's free to sign up at tinyurl.com slash lvmpd3on3. That's the number three. So tinyurl.com slash lvmpd3on3. Or find out more about the LVMPD Foundation at lvmpdfoundation.org. The 13th Annual NF Hope Concert to Support Research for Neurofibromatosis, or NF, is happening Sunday, October 22nd at 1 p.m. at the Smith Center. This concert, featuring top Las Vegas performers, is produced by Jeff Lebo, formerly of the Jersey Boys and currently with the Formers. Find out more, view the auction packages, or buy your concert tickets at nfhope.org. That's nfhope.org. Green Our Planet's next Giant Student Farmers Market is happening Wednesday, October 25th from 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the Clark County Government Building in downtown Las Vegas. The student-run Farmers Market will feature produce grown from Clark County School District Gardens. Student farmers will be there to sell their produce and crafts to the public, with all proceeds returning to the schools to amplify and preserve the school's garden programs. Find out more at greenhourplanet.org. That's greenhourplanet.org. Project 150's annual Fall Celebration Fundraising Party is happening on Thursday, October 26th from 7 to 10 p.m. at Illuminarium. 
This immersive 12th annual charity celebration promises to be a fun party with MC Chet Buchanan from 98.5 KLUC and live music by Zoe Bowie. Get your tickets at project150.givesmart.com. That's project150.givesmart.com. And find out more about Project 150's work with disadvantaged high school students at project150.org. That's project150.org. The Putting for a Cure Driving to End FSHD Golf Tournament, which funds progress for FSHD muscular dystrophy, takes place on Saturday, October 28th at the Wild Horse Golf Club in Henderson. Find out more about the Society at fshdsociety.org. That's fshdsociety.org. And sign up to golf or be a sponsor at Give dot fshdsociety.org slash putting for a cure. That's F-O-R-E. So give dot fshdsociety.org slash putting for a cure. And Communities and Schools of Nevada's holding their annual Today for Tomorrow Gala with a lace-up for the future theme on Friday, November 3rd at 6 p.m. at Chaos Nightclub in the Palms Casino Resort. This year's event honors President Nikki Fargus and the 2022 world champion Las Vegas Aces, and the theme celebrates sneakerhead culture, so you're encouraged to incorporate sneakers into your wardrobe. Get tickets or find out more at cisnevada.org. That's cisnevada.org. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.